Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that discusses where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suami. I'm James Rathbone. And this week, we're going to do something very special. We are examining 10 classic albums from the 2010s, as deemed by the two of us. Yes. So we're, we're not going through all 10 albums this episode, but we're beginning the journey down with two records. We're going to do two at a time, and over the next couple months, we'll release them inter- intermittently. So we're inspired to have this episode by a post in the Booksy Fade Facebook group that happened a few weeks ago. It was really interesting. Someone asked, what albums do you think from the 2010s, from this decade, will we look back at as the classics of this era? So Jordan and I decided to each come up with our own lists, which we get our producer Kyle to amalgamate into a top 10 classic albums that we can see being, uh, you know, sort of looking back in, from the future into this decade will be, you know, the markers of, of the best of the best, the things that we would want to represent the music that we listen to passionately over the last, you know, eight years, what will ultimately be 10 years, assuming that there are some classics that come out. The most influential, the the, the, the best conceptually. Yeah, the things that change the directions of of what rap music sounded like. And we also have a couple records that are not exactly rap, but definitely hip-hop influenced sort of R&B as well. So we're starting off by talking about two albums, and this week we're talking about two classics from the 2010s, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid Mad City and Chief Keef's Finally Rich. Let's go. So, uh, it, I remember in 2010, seeing this na- this guy's name start to appear on the, the like rap blogs that I was following, Kendrick Lamar. And I'll be honest, when I first started seeing his name, I was like, that is the corniest rap name I've ever seen in my life. I will never listen to that person's music. Uh, I was like, "It's you're not Kanye West. Like, who are you? You know? Uh, I think it's a pretty dynamic name. You think so? It's got a first name for a last name. I mean, that stands that's, out. That's something, I suppose. But at the same time, I, I was like, kind of like, it's so uncreative to not like have like part of the fun of rap is that you get this cool nickname that you you know people know you by (laughs) and instead you're just going by your regular name and remind me of j cole who was another rapper i considered uh boring at the time uh but obviously um you know his name kept coming up kept coming up and then in 2011 uh there was a record that came out uh called section 80 uh, and which was his, Kendrick Lamar's uh, debut record. And uh, this record created a huge buzz for Kendrick. Um, people were really excited by it. And in particular, he uh, was doing some live shows that were ha- like immediately had legendary status of like, holy shit, this is what we've been waiting for. This is like... In this like rap drought that we've had over the last however many years, this is like what we've been waiting for. And so there's a lot of hype uh, about Kendrick and about his forthcoming record. And then in 2012, uh, Good Kid Mad City dropped. And it was like immediate that this was like it. This was like a new rap classic in the vein of the 90s classics that were sort of impeachable and uh, just this moment where it seemed like 
everybody was into this record that you knew. Yeah, I think it's also important to note that when he was, after Section 80 came out and he was being hailed as this new voice in hip hop, a lot of a lot of historically historically influential hip hop voices kind of gathered around him. Mm-hmm. Eminem was a big early supporter. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre was a supporter so much so that he signed him to his Aftermath imprint. Yeah. And I think even still like Kendrick is a like T D after still, aftermath, yeah. like a like a interscope situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Dre is like involved. Mm-hmm. So Buster I think Mr. Rhymes was also like a big a big advocate it, for it was there's a lot of people like really pushing him. Mm-hmm. And the album and I think that there's a lot like it was a lot of old heads, old head types pushing him, but also a lot of people who really like missed nineties hip hop who were like, where's this voice in hip hop now? Yeah. It's like it's gone, you know. And there was, I mean, one of there was a funny moment in 2011 where Drake dropped "Take Care," his most like ambitious record, and this sort of like uh, sign of growth from him. And Kendrick has like the interlude on it, which kind of steals the show to for a lot of people. Like that, Kendrick's like um, interlude is just like kind of the best part of that record i don't know if that's still true but that was definitely thing a lot of people were saying at the time Uh uh-huh and i think i mean this is for another time another conversation but i think it's like i mean you want to talk about like drake's ability to springboard another artist like Mm -hmm. and to give our artists like a showcase moment on in in his moment yeah drake also took kendrick on tour early on on the take care take care tour tour with asap rocky so and and kendrick's verse is about meeting drake Mm -hmm. like on that buried alive interlude so really interesting stuff there for like early on in their careers for where they are now. And they Mm -hmm. don't really seem to fuck with each other, (laughs) at least not publicly. They do not. Yeah. So, um, you know, friends become foes and whatnot. Kendrick will, then they asked about it. Kendrick would be like, Oh yeah, he's a great singer, you know? (laughs) 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 Um, yeah. So good kid, good, good kid, mad city is really interesting because it's an album that is conceptual. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's an album in the vein of, of albums yeah, <laughs> traditionally exactly um something that we've kind of gotten away from a lot in the streaming era mm-hmm. but some artists still strive to do and kendrick is one of the artists that still strives to do this but the album basically takes the format of following kendrick uh young kendrick mm-hmm. on a, a day in the life yeah exactly you know he's like listening to young jeezy as you did in yeah. the mid-aughts mm-hmm. you know he's hanging out with homies He's smoking weed. It might be laced. Oh no! Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of close calls. A yeah. lot of things happening. Um, so, what are what are some what are some thoughts? What were some of your first thoughts when you heard the album? What are some songs that stood out to you? Um, I mean, I remember obviously it sort of it starts off a little uh, chill, a little like more relaxed, and then uh, and then obviously. It's like this quite pleasant listening. And then obviously, as soon as you hear Backseat Freestyle, it's like sort of like his version of uh, Little Wayne's Millie, you know, he's mm-hmm. just going in. Uh, and then, you know, it goes back to sort of being smooth uh, with uh, Poetic Justice. Um, which features Drake. Which features Drake. Uh, and uh, I mean, Money Trees which is still one of my favorite Kendrick songs of all time. Yes. The J-Rock verse is so good. I wish I knew who the the woman is who uh, does provides those additional vocals. It's always strange to me that she's uncredited because uh, I like that, whatever she was doing. Uh, and then, like, the kind of good kid Mad City songs and, like, that little couplet uh, is is so, so good. 
I, I mean, it's it's still like a great example of this sort of, uh, sort of narrative rap, like the jumping tones. Uh, a really great uh, there's a really great MC8 verse. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just so strong and so cohesive, and it had like all the things that I think a lot of people felt had been missing from rap music, the kind of real depth of, of feeling and, and uh, concept and ambition. Um, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, I thought, you know, generally speaking, when people hail uh, someone of the current era or at the, t- at the time current, like 2012 era, or even the same thing now to a degree, someone is like a boom bap revivalist, somebody's gonna bring back the old school, bring back the real. Mm-hmm. I generally recoil at artists like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't I don't need this. Yeah. It's something about the energy of the fans more so than the rapper t- yeah, typically. For sure. And then I think that the energy of the fans, for me, will transpose the rapper, transpose onto the rapper so that I listen to the rapper and I'm like, this shit is corny. Mm-hmm. And I was prepared to reflexively dislike Kendrick Lamar yeah. because of what hip hop fans whom I didn't really like talking to about music were saying about him. Mm-hmm. And this album just completely <laughs> proved that to be not a real thing in my life, actually. Yeah. Like, I thought that even, con- I just liked, even conceptually, I loved how it, he really came with like a strong idea of the voice that he wanted to share, you mm-hmm. know? And I like that the album has, it has like, you know, it's very, it's very serious album. It's a very introspective album. It's a very analytical album. It's an album that, critiques a lot of the the neighborhood tropes that he grew up with that he and a lot of people he knows accept as just your natural reality mm-hmm. but you know it also has like moments of humor in it mm-hmm. and um and i just even like the, the young like the fact that they're listening to the young jeezy in the car it's like had a lot of relatability to me even though i didn't grow up in compton mm-hmm. and i thought that i don't know i think it's a really it's a really great album and the way that it it, it touches on the way that it serves all of the masters in the way that that major label debut albums strive for, mm-hmm. but does it without losing the singular voice that makes it such a strong, cohesive album mm-hmm. is what connected with me. Like if you think of like, you know, Backseat Freestyle was a big, fun, like club record. Mm-hmm. It also suits the album. You got Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. You mm-hmm. got like, you got things that really that really connect, not just, on, you know, they connect on an international uh, intellectual level. They connect on... Uh, like a fun level to a degree mm-hmm. and they they tell a story you know yeah. and I think like you know I, I talked to some people who said that Poetic Justice is the only song that seems a little out of place for them on the record mm-hmm. and I don't agree with that I don't I don't, necess- I don't agree with that either I don't yeah. agree with that either I do I do see that point yeah when I, I was listening to this album this week I was like I see the point mm-hmm. but I really I, I like I disagree I, I think it's like I think it's a it's a really good part. I think it's a part of showing the versatility of Kendrick and showing yeah. just that this like one of the one of his biggest skills is his ability to play in all of these different spaces without losing any of the credibility he builds up in the other in the other songs. Yeah. And I feel like that song's like a good example of how he does that. Yeah. I mean, how many artists can be sort of able to go into like the sort of street mode? Uh, go into like a really like artsy out there mode and do collaborations with Taylor Swift. <laughs> it's like him and Future maybe. That's true. Um, it's it's just like the the kind of album that I think I feel like when I was getting into rap was what appealed to me so much. And I think it I see that for people in it so easily. Um, and, it, you know, because it it's like... 
able to toe that line of being conscious without being preachy, generally speaking, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which is so appreciated. You know, it's easy to be, and I, I think the only people I know of who didn't like love it were the ones that found it's kind of sanctimonious a little bit, um, which, I mean, I think those are just people that don't want any kind of message in their, their music. But uh, to me, it, it, it's, it has that really great quality that a lot of uh, people, th- I don't think, realize is what makes 90s music so good. It's this sort of observational thing. A lot of like modern rap is really sort of about the individual, and it's less about the environment. And, and I think what's so great about this record is the way he is able to balance those two things, Kendrick as the individual and the greater environment around him and painting the picture of that world. Mm. So Kendrick is basically the most acclaimed musician of this decade. Mm-hmm. Why this album for you and not To, Bim- to Pimp a Butterfly or Damn? Um, well, I mean... You can discount Damn if you want right off the bat. Yeah. Like, to Pimple Butterfly, that's yeah. it. So, like, I mean, Damn is a really good album, for sure. Uh, but I would say uh, To Pimple Butterfly and Good Kid are kind of the, the watering contention for the, like, Kendrick classic. And many people would say To Pimple Butterfly, justifiably. It's an incredibly ambitious record. It has lots of good songs. Um, but what I like about this record is that... It is both deep and easy listening. It's something that has all modes of, of rap in it. It has like the like smoked out kind of like chill song. It kind of has like the really like uh, tragic uh, like narrative of, of like lives lost that no one cares about. It has the like frenetic like raw rapping in it and it's like both accessible and a record that like feels uh like it just rewards every listen you give it Hmm. i mean for me it's like i think that when you have the the kind of pressure and expectation that someone like kendrick had before he was kendrick lamar as we know him now and to meet it with something as ambitious and as tuned in as this album is like for me, that is what the cl- that's what makes this the standout classic in his career mm-hmm. is because he did it. He he. It's not even like he met expectations. He exceeded expectations with this album. Mm-hmm. He firmly implanted himself here as like the voice of the voice of a generation that is not just speaking to the streets and to people in Compton and people who grew up in other circumstances, but also can cross over and connects with other people in a deep emotional sense and can paint a picture of paint a three-dimensional portrait of a life that for many people that they have not lived, mm-hmm. but they can find points that they relate to. And if they don't relate to, they can see the humanity in this world mm-hmm. and of people that maybe aren't as articulate as Kendrick and not as, you know, forward thinking, but Kendrick, really paints a picture of his peers and people that he grew up with in his community mm-hmm. that even if they make mistakes are also worthy of human life and worthy of dignity and worthy of respect. And I feel like at the time there had not been something that had crossed over in in the 2012 rap world, even mm-hmm. the, tw- the early 2010s rap world. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't been something that had crossed over this kind of commercial viability with this kind of critical eye and just a sense of humanity to it. Yeah, it really does transcend. And and I mean, uh, I don't want to pit it against uh, Butterfly because it's such a great record, and it's not. I don't want to detract from that. It's just that I, for me, I think this, 
when this came out, it meant so much, and it made me so optimistic about the future of rap because rap in 2008 to 2011, 11 was when it started to us uh, to like feel like oh like. There was something special happening. There's a lot of really interesting artists. And like when this came out, it was like, okay, we're into like possibly a new rap golden age. And that's what I really felt like with this. Okay, let's talk about Chief Keef. If you listen to uh, an earlier episode, we broke down a little bit of Chief Keef's rise. But for those of you that don't know it, um, I will get into it again. So basically around 2012, there was a music writer by the, in Chicago by the name of David Drake who really did a great job of covering underground music mm-hmm. and had talked about his time as a substitute teacher in Chicago public schools. And a lot of people uh, were talking, a lot of the kids were talking about this rapper named Chief Keef. And he would look up his videos and he had hundreds, th- hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. But, on YouTube. But no, basically, music writing about him. No mm-hmm. journalists had written about him. No bloggers had written about him. So David Drake started looking into his story. And as he was looking into the story, Chief Keefe had been... It simultaneously happened that a video went viral of a kid freaking out about Chief Keefe ha- having been arrested <laughs> and then being released. And then there's this like kid who's freaking out, who's so excited that Chief Keefe's out of jail. Mm-hmm. And he's like freaking out. So this video went viral. I remember it was on World Star. Mm-hmm. And then around this time, like this article came out in Gawker by David Drake, where he's but kind of like goes and profiles Chief Keefe. So he goes and hangs out at his grandma's house and like spends some time with him and uh, talks about Chief Keefe's past, which included at the time having been arrested at the age of 15 for pointing a gun at a police officer. Mm-hmm. He was 16, I think, in 2012. Yeah, he was 16. And so through throughout this, as this is going on, the song 300 comes out, mm-hmm. which is... One of the biggest rap songs of all time. Yes, it's like a Titanic jam. And I remember, I mean, this video and s- some subsequent Chief Keef videos are single-handedly responsible for changing the music video aesthetic of rap music as we know it today. Uh, saved a lot of artists a lot of money mm-hmm. um, by just setting up a video where it's like, yeah, it's just me and my boys and we're hanging out shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. No yeah. shirts, a lot of blunts, no smiling. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's like when I hang out with my friends. Yeah. And... The song 300, even now, it's it's still like one of my favorite Chief Keef songs and one of my favorite, I mean, I might my, one of my favorite like gangster rap songs of the 2010s, mm-hmm. uh, maybe ever actually. It's just like a really, it's got, it's it's a really slow song. It's got the drawl. It's got auto tune. Mm-hmm. It's got pretty simple lyrics, but are also like really funny and a little bit clever. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, one thing I think it's important to mention when we're talking about this era of Chief Keef, we also have to be talking about Young Chop, who is uh, the producer for much of the record. And what Young Chop and Keef did was kind of take the the Waka Flocka Lex Luger sound that was super dominant uh, in the around this time and in the years prior, and uh, sort of bring it to Chicago and make it their own, and uh, just springboard off of it. Whereas, uh, you know. I mean, Waka was also like a, a really great rec- artist and still, I, I, Flockavelli doesn't make our list, but you should go check it out if you've never listened to it uh, and you like really hard rap music. Um, but, you know, what Young Chop uh, did was like 
I think re kind of reinvent the trap sound and and sort of set the tone for what it has been since this record came out in uh, December two thousand uh, twelve. Hmm. That's a good point. Good point. Um, and with 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 the young chop with Chief Keef with changing the video aesthetic, they also brought a lot of other things. They brought like a lot of slang mm-hmm. that have, that is now so diffuse in hip hop, you may not even know the origin of it. Yeah, like let's we can talk with like even drill, like drill music. Mm-hmm. Like there's UK drill now. Yeah, Bobby Schmurda from New York was yeah. making a variation of drill music yeah. when he put out hot nigga, you know, the word thought mm-hmm. they gave us the word thought, you <laughs> yeah. know? let's get it. Which is now a little pumps is get it. Yeah. That's like, that's, that is chief Keefe's direct ad lib. If you listen to any of the old chief Keefe song 300, like, uh, they don't, Glocky. what's that? When he says Glocky, <laughs> <laughs> like he, you, it's, it's in every song. It's yeah. like, get it. You know, yeah. like it's a great ad lib. Yeah. Um, so all of this comes out, and right away, there's like a, kind of like a moral panic around Chief Keef. Mm-hmm. Uh, because basically at this time, Chicago in the years pre- preceding this, Chicago had reached new highs for the murder rate mm-hmm. at the time. Like it was, it, the, the murder rate was going up. Yeah. And a lot of people in Chicago and outside of Chicago saw Chief Keef and his success talking about the life uh, as somebody, like, talking about somebody who's living the life of these people who are committing murder and mm-hmm. getting murdered that as a way of glorifying it and maybe showing a kind of dangerous a dangerous worldview mm-hmm. and exposing a lot of people to something that you shouldn't be celebrating. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of other people on the other side you're saying this is a reflection of the reality of these pe- of these people. I think by and large many of them are children. Teenagers, yes. You know, and they're uh in what is like some of the worst circumstances a human can be on in on earth extreme poverty extreme poverty you know uh ex- extreme violence within the community lack, lack of options lack, lack of lack of ways to get yeah, out there's no opportunity lack of examples of you know legal success success yeah. by traditional metrics yeah and you know it it was a world that these these people are essentially voiceless and and chief keith provided a voice for uh for this like deep Deep disenfranchisement, this this deep like anger and aggression that comes from being in these situations, and uh, you know, it's there's something so miraculous to me about Chief Keef in particular. I mean, it's true with a lot of rap. That it's like, how did you, this person who is in like, had literally nothing, produce this, produce like produce this body of work. Uh, get to become this artist and you know i feel like this record and and chief keith's rise being kind of the first rapper to use youtube uh as just a way to like really pop um it's just it's just miraculous to me i don't know it's like it's it's hard for me to put it any other way that like this is even possible uh it just still blows my mind um so you know as he's growing uh Eventually, he released a couple mixtapes, one or two mixtapes, uh, and and then ha- pretty like very quickly after has his Interscope debut, finally rich, um, and you know, Chief Keef is probably not the kind of artist that uh, Interscope could tamper too much with. I mean, there's a couple of sort of strange features with having like a Wiz Khalifa, French Montana, uh, yeah. and Rick Ross, yeah, Fifty Cent. 
sort of like older, uh, very established rappers. I mean, I think it's important to know that before he signed with Interscope, there was a bidding war for him. Mm-hmm. So as much as this like controversy was going on about the morality and the ethics of like, should we be supporting Chief Keef? Like he was the hottest act in music. Yeah. And he eventually signs with, with Interscope and Jimmy Iovine. And yeah, so I mean, as much as like he's like the kind of artist that you can't really fuck with too much, like the format, mm-hmm. like labels have done like, worse. Like yes. they have done this before. Yeah. They've done it since him, yeah, you know? So so the fact that this album comes out and it, it's mostly not meddled with too much in yeah. terms of de- deviating from the metric that had got, the, the style that had gotten to him, gotten him to where he was, mm-hmm. um, it is kind of miraculous that it's this album is mostly unspoiled by meddling label hands. Yes, absolutely. That's like that's that's another miracle within within this miraculous story, you know. So, yes, like this album this album also makes really good use of um kind of going with the narrative of Chief Keef. So they they sample both the they sample the audio of that kid that we were talking about earlier who was really excited about the time about Chief Keef getting out of out of prison. Yeah. Plus this other audio, which is really just gone down as like a legendary legendary uh <laughs> intro. Yeah. It opens the first song, first of all, the first song on the album is a hit that came out I think five days after that Gawker album came out. Mm. Uh, Gawker uh, article. Gawker art- article came out. Love so- Love Sosa dropped. And I mentioned this in the earlier episode, but I I, I immediately tweeted at David Drake, and I was like, "Wow, like you were right, yeah. like you just got this so right." Yeah. Because as soon as as soon as I saw that song, I was like, "This is it." Yeah. Like this is it. This is like the thing that we didn't even know we were looking for or that we wanted. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Chief Keef, Little Reese, yeah. like hanging out in a rented condo. Yeah. Dancing their asses off and smoking a blunt with their pants way too low. Yeah. Uh, with this really great song. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, um, introducing us to this sort of cast of the people around them, like uh, Tato and Frito. Fredo in the cut. That's a scary sight. An iconic line. I mean, the intro is still one of my favorite intros to, to like, any album ever released. It also is a really great meme format, uh, you know, where <laughs> you just make it about fuckers in school talking about anything. It's like... I will laugh no matter what you the flip is. I just realized I was talking about Love Sosa, but I was thinking of I don't like. Don't like. Yeah. yeah. Love Sosa is the one with the intro. That's, don't, yeah. don't like is the one with the, the video with the yeah. little Reese. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, sorry. Yeah. No. No. I mean. Uh, yeah. Just. So I the, mean, the album opens up opens up with a guy. A, a sample from a video, which I, I don't even know if I've seen the original video. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, if you've seen like there are other videos that are like a flip of it who that are just identical but the guy just being so irate about <laughs> people just, just speaking badly about chief keep not respecting his gangster yeah exactly like people say chief keep ain't no hit up yeah. <laughs> yeah. shut the fuck up he's like way too passionate yeah, a exactly. fan you know like he's like he's like not in the youtube comments arguing he's like in his real life making the video like vlogging arguing, yeah exactly you know? <laughs> yeah yeah He's like the Chicago Stan, like real life Stan, you know, like just loves Chief Keefe so much. It's, and who can blame him? Yeah, who can blame him? Um, a lot of people, the police, <laughs> other people in Chicago, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, this album is, so it opens up with Love Sosa, which is like one of his biggest singles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's got like 
there's just so many interesting modes that he like goes into. Uh, he's he's just like kind of someone who's almost you could argue in the like span of his career too creative for his own good because he go he just tries so much and he here was really the place where so much of it worked and he has stuff like um, Kobe, which is like almost like the beat almost reminded me of like a um, like vintage era clips beat. It has a kind of sinister Neptunesy tone to it, but it and it has some of his more like conventional classic rapping on it. He's got songs like "Hate Being Sober," which features Wiz Khalifa and Fifty Cent, and is still like just such a great song. Um, I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I Even mean, like no, no tomorrow. Yeah, like he just really uses really kind of like sparkly production mm-hmm. and just kind of floats on it, you yeah. know. Like he, which I mean, for me, it's like it, on this album, it's like he's showing some versatility mm-hmm. that before the album came out, we had not really heard from him. Yeah, he had just kind of like traditional drill songs, as hard kind of gangster rap. Yeah, and then here he has No Tomorrow, um, and then on the on the deluxe version of the album, he has a song called Sit Go, yeah. which we've talked about before, but essentially Post Malone's whole career is like owed to this song. Playboy Cardi. Playboy Cardi. I mean, honestly, like I still believe like between this and like uh, whatever future record you want to pick uh, are the most influential records sonically of the decade um, because you can liter- like literally changes uh, like how almost everybody sounds after that. Drake being a prime example, mm. you know, trap Drake, Drake, Drake hopped on. There's a song that little Reese uh, had called us yeah. that Drake jumped on a remix for. Yeah. And Drake becomes more of trap Drake even later, later on, which is really just so indebted to this style. All of the, all, all the sound, slang, all, all the slang is thing, being yeah. is being used. It's like as we mentioned earlier, but it's or it's still a part of hip hop. Yeah. and people have forgot, you know, forgot, don't even really know where it came from. But it's yeah. all like Chief Keith. I mean, even like if you look at like the sort of Toronto rappers that we've talked about, like a like a Smoke Dog or Moji, very much in, in the the Chief Keith vein. Um, Without Chief Keith, there's like you know, there's, there's a lot of rappers you don't get. You don't get NBA Young Boy. You don't get Kodak Black. You don't get you know, just even, any, even it's six almost like nine. even six, it's like six, nine, Bobby Shmurda. Yeah. It's like, if you think of any contemporary, every, it's almost like every contemporary, there was a time where every, I remember Lil Wayne talking about how, uh, there's an era where every rapper got their swag from Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. It's like, they were basing themselves on like, as a different, like I'm a New Orleans version of Jay-Z in yeah. terms of like how you want to present yourself like a debonair boss. Like, you know, I call the shots type. Mm-hmm. And it feels like now there's you can't you'd be hard pressed to find a young rapper with some trap rap leanings or some gangster rap leanings who's not influenced by Chief Keef from yeah. like Little Pump to Smoke Perp even Twenty One Twenty One Savage Travis Scott yeah like, exactly you know it's like tra- Twenty One Tra- Savage of course yeah. yeah Travis Scott who's so huge and like gave Kanye like a whole new direction in terms of tone and and uh, palette so influenced by Chief Keef like I mean. It, it it is it is like it's hard it's, to. It's no coincidence that dreads and braids have come back in yes. hip hop. Yeah. After Chief Keef. Yeah. I, I mean, it it is so hard to um, under em- overemphasize how uh, influential he is, and just the the impact of this record and and the the time that it came out. I mean, the, the crazy thing is that. Uh, this came out six years ago, and Chief Keef is only twenty two, twenty three. At most right now and it's like this is sort of 
uh, already in the like, like the story legend of rap, and he's still so young, and he hasn't you know he hasn't really had the same sort of peak that mm. since. He's had some uh, hits, like he had Finito in yeah. 2014, I believe, yeah. and some other like minor hits. And he's yeah. been, and he's recently huge, like had a resurgence. Huge, huge YouTube following, still. Really huge YouTube following. He's had he's had a resurgence. He's being featured. I think it's like, a lot of artists are realizing his influence and what mm-hmm. he when he and also what he's meant to them. Yeah, and then what they can give to him, which is having is featuring him on their major label albums, where I'm sure they pay him a great feature fee and he yeah. gets royalties. But he's like been featured on Playboy Cardi's album. He's been on. Uh, Mac Miller's album. He's mm-hmm. been on the Mike Will compilation album. Like yeah. a lot of people are reaching out to Chief Keef and like getting him on their songs, and he's sounding really good on a lot of these. Yeah, records. he is. He, I mean, I I would love it if he could um, put out sort of a, a a record that has the production level and the consistency of this record again. It would be I would he would be such a great comeback to see all these other rappers who have become so rich off his sound for him to come back and have a similar level of success again in 2018. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like he's hurting for money though. No. Um, he's living in a mansion in LA Yeah. and he plays a lot of paintball. <laughs> yeah. And video games. Video games. Yeah. Seems to be living out his teenage dreams. Yeah. Um, the blank check lifestyle. You know? <laughs> it is a blank check lifestyle. So, uh, so James, as you mentioned, Chief Keef is 22 years old. Um, would you bet on a Chief Keef renaissance? Um, depends how much money I would be betting. I'm not certain, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. I would, I'd love it. And I, he's kind of uh, at the status where he will like always have fans and always like there'll be some demand, at least for the foreseeable future for his music. Whether that can like um, kind of translate into like a conscious like drive for him to really like stake a claim in rap rather than just like hold down the particular sort of niche that he's built for himself. Doesn't seem likely, but it's not impossible. And you know, he's, he's done the impossible before by kind of creating this whole new subgenre essentially. I mean, there are other, you know, people who are instrumental in like, such as um, King Louis Etc. People from Chicago who are a part of the, that drill renaissance, but the person, you know, Chief Keith being the real figurehead of it, he's done the impossible before, so I would love it. What do you think, Jordan? I think that the renaissance is happening. Yeah, I think, like as I mentioned, it's him being featured on all these records, like you know, the G Herbo record and uh, G Herbo and Southside's record, mm-hmm. Swervo, and just like the Mac Miller stuff, like Walk a Flock, like people are reaching out to Chief Keef and featuring him on major label albums. Mm. And I think that's as close as we're going to get to a Chief Keef renaissance. I think otherwise, he's really settled into a very comfortable position, mm-hmm. almost sort of like a currency type, the yeah. rapper from New Orleans type rapper, where you have your fan base, you you put out your projects that you largely are in control of, your, of yourself. Mm-hmm. So you deal with the quality control and all of that. And... You kind of you tour a bit and you just like do your thing, but you don't have any greater ambitions of like world domination or music worldwide music industry success. You're just you just have a steady series of paychecks and you hop on. You get these like cushy feature gigs and you you do those and that's about it. Yeah, I really don't see Chief Keef striving for anything more because he seems to have a pretty good life right now. Yeah, and that's amazing if you think about where he came from, being on house arrest in his grandma's basement all six years ago to 
being yeah. in house arrest <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, the only real challenge I, I think, and will be an interesting catalyst, is that he's he's banned from playing a lot of places, mm-hmm. uh, and so if that kind of fucks with his touring money, if he has to make a push to kind of get himself back out there, that's the only thing I could kind of see really forcing his hand. I, I certainly hope he doesn't get in that position. I I just I I think Chief Heath should be and stay paid for the rest of his life. Yeah, and that's, that's what I hope. I for agree. Him. He needs some like a. He's contributed a lot to the rap yeah, game, exactly. and a lot of people have made money off of templates that he has created. Yeah. And he deserves. Yeah, it would be great if he just gets those like checks every year of just whoever, whatever new rapper for the next like ha- like handful of years just has to have a Chief Key feature. Uh huh. You know, just as like for his pension, basically. <laughs> you know. Hope they keep it up. Yeah. So, um, for for our songs of the week, we're gonna do one song each from uh, Good Kid, Mad City. One song each from uh, Finally Rich. One other uh, Drill era song, and then one wild card as per usual. So uh, I'm gonna start out with a song from Good Kid, Mad City, Money Trees, featuring J Rock. Uh, just really, really great song. Really, it's kind of it's a little bit long, uh, and that's a good thing because you just want more of it. Um, J-Rock with a really great verse. Uh, when I remember when it came out, really enjoying, like, just kind of skipping to that verse sometimes. Uh, and it's nice that J-Rock has subsequently kind of, his career has picked up. And even in this year, to sort of reach the potential that that was promised in that mm-hmm. verse. And then off uh, Finally Rich, um, I think I will go, there's so many good songs, um, with uh, Love Sosa. It's just like such a great song um and other than the intro being one of my favorite things ever to be recorded uh the the song itself is just so catchy and so um indicative of what i think made chief keep special then uh my other uh drill song i'm gonna go with uh fredo santana featuring kendrick lamar is a nice little tie-in song jealous Mm. uh which is uh you know fredo died uh, last year, um, sadly, from, I think it was this year. Was it this year? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so when, yeah, I mean, Fredo died tragically. Uh, you know, he. We I think we kind of talked about it in the J Cole episode uh, a little bit that he, you know, J Cole complained about rappers using drugs, and Fredo was like, "I use drugs to deal with like the, my inner demons." Um, and so it's really sad, but this song is just, it's just amazing. And, and Kendrick has a really great verse and it's sort of Ken, one time Kendrick did a little, has a little drill thing. Uh, yeah. And so my wild card, uh, I'm going to do another, uh, like a, just a throwback song that I heard recently, um, from a Bay area rapper named I am Sue. I love my squad. Uh, I am Sue didn't really have the career that we kind of maybe thought he would have. He's got a, uh, but he's still like he's super talented, and uh, this song I I found it when I was like going through some folders, and I was like, wow, I love this song. That's that's, that's all I got. So my four songs uh, from Kendrick, I'm gonna go with Backseat Freestyle. Um, I mean, it's self-explanatory. The song is a bop, um, and it's like really really fun, Kendrick. Um, Chief Keef song I'm going to choose from the album Finally Rich is the song Finally Rich. I feel like mm. this album has some moments of kind of like serene, celebratory joy. Mm-hmm. And 
even if the even if Sosa is talking about you know his life in Chicago on the streets, which involves a lot of like shooting at people and getting shot at, mm-hmm. and like you know worrying about ops and whatnot, this song really felt like the the LA life that he lives now. Mm-hmm. This song felt like a bridge to that. You mm-hmm. know, he's like, I finally made it. Like I grew up in really terrible circumstances, somehow persevered, and then somehow became an international superstar. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you feel that from the song. Um, my old Drill song is not from the 2012 era. It's a little bit after that, but it's from a rapper who was integral and essential at the very early parts of Drill. It's a song by the rapper Little Dirk. It's called This Ain't What You Want. Mm. I remember this was a song that like, when it came out, I was like, dear God, let me hear this in a club, please. Great choice. So I can throw my elbows around. <laughs> and like, it just, I mean, honestly, I'm going to listen to it on my walk home. It's yeah. such a great song and a really great video. And I was, this is when I was like, oh, Drill, there, there is like an, a way to expand drill because it was very singy, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, there's, there's more, there's more space for this, this, this genre to expand. Yeah. And Little Dirk is still putting out great music in 2018, mm-hmm. uh, like one, like 2017 actually, with one seven seven three Vulture, which is yeah. one of like favorite songs of the year. Um, so he's, he's still got it, but that's the old drill song. My wild card for this week is something that's almost like a. It's like the the inverse of Chief Keith, Chief Keith, perhaps. It's a song by the group Brockhampton, um, and it is 1997 Diana. Mm-hmm. It's been there's been a lot of talk about how Brockhampton, a lot of like a lot of confusion and consternation about how Brockhampton is going to move forward without Amir Van, who is the best traditional rapper in the group, who was who's kicked out of the group earlier this year after like sexual misconduct allegations came out. But this song and the songs that they've released in the run-up to this album have shown that they are finding a new way to deal with this while also interrogating their lives as celebrities who had a major thing happen that is not good. It's actually one of the worst things that can happen. Mm -hmm. And like how you deal with that and how you deal with fame and how you deal with maybe not even wanting to necessarily be in the group anymore, Mm -hmm. but you're in this position now and your whole future is in front of you and you have to make a choice on how to deal with that. So I think that it's a interesting song by an interesting group. Cool. That's the it. That's it. Well, thank you for listening. It's uh, it's really fun to go and uh, revisit this stuff and um, dig in the digital crates. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you haven't, you know, rated, reviewed, subscribed, please do it. Uh, it just means so much. Yeah, and you've, if you have any feedback, uh, just hit me or James up, post in the Boosie Fade group, mm-hmm. private message us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Texas if you have our numbers. If you don't and you want them, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram <laughs> and ask. We'll yeah. give you our numbers. You can text us your feedback. But, yeah, we want to hear from you. You pass us a note the next time you see us. Yes. Uh, and, you know, other, tell a friend you think might like it. You know, honestly, like, it means a lot. Word of mouth is the most powerful thing. Um, if that if you don't feel comfortable doing that, just you know, screen cap us, put it in your Instagram stories. Tag us so we tag can see us. It. Yeah, tag us because that that just feels good. Mm-hmm. You know. So, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe. <laughs>